Well, hey, Jubilee fam, man, it's an honor to be with you once again. I just wanna say it is such an honor to be around a group of people who are willing to be uncomfortable, who are willing to be disturbed, who are willing to have their uh, worldview turned upside down. It, it's, a, it's a painful thing to, to go through this process and to, and to have Jesus work in your life, but it's such a beautiful, amazing thing. In, in Hebrews 3, it says, take care, brothers, and we want to take care. I mean, I feel that. Paul would often say that to his people that I, I want to be careful with you, and, and I want to be careful with you, and we want to be careful with each other. And one of the things that we need to be careful about, it says, take care, brothers, lest there be any evil, any evil, any unbelieving heart leading you away to fall from the living God. So we want to be careful in how we bring truth to each other, and we, but we want to bring truth because that's being careful. That's loving each other. And we're going through that season where we're, it says here that we're exhorting one another. We want to encourage one another that God has more for us, that God has better things for us. He has deeper waters for us to swim. And so I'm so grateful for you. I pray for you. I love you. I'm so honored to be around such a fantastic group of people. And so today I want to be brief. I just want to share a couple points of vision um, and then uh, some, some next steps moving forward because we are in this for the long haul uh, and we want, to, we want to move forward with some practical next steps. And so one of the big emphasis that I want to address as why it was an emphasis in this series, in this series, one of the emphasis was from John 4, 4, where Jesus said, or where it's said of Jesus that he had to go through Samaria. We've brought that up time and time again. And I want to say why he had to go through Samaria, why that was such a big deal. Because if he went through that through Samaria, if he had to go, we have to go. And so it has huge implications for us. So, so why did he have to go? Well, first of all, because he's a, he's a seeking God. He was seeking people. In verse 23, it says that he was specifically seeking worshipers. And we know this is a big theme through all throughout the Bible, that he's seeking worshipers of all tribes, of all tongues, of all classes, of all backgrounds. He is a seeking God. He's always been a seeking God. From the moment that sin entered the human equation, he is sought after us. He cried out, Adam, where are you? And all throughout the Old Testament, I don't know what you think when you read the Old Testament, but what I see is I see a God who is seeking his people. It's why he sent his son. He sought, he sent his son to, to seek and save the lost. It says that in Luke 19.10. That is why he came. He came to seek after us. He is a seeking God. He's seeking you. I don't know if you know that or not, but he is after you. He is seeking you. I don't know if you want to be sought, but rest assured, he is seeking you. It says in Revelation that he is standing at the door of your heart. He is knocking on the door of your heart. He is seeking you. He is after you. He loves you. He wants to be with you. The question I have for you today is, do you want to be found? Do you want to be found by God? He is a seeking God. Doesn't matter who you are. I know culture puts up all kinds of boundaries, but one of the reasons why he had to go to Samaria is he wanted to break those boundaries. We, of course, been talking racially. He wanted to go and demonstrate his love for the Samaritans, a group of people that were oppressed and marginalized and ignored. But it, it, we have to also see it wasn't just racially. He didn't go to the movers and shakers of Samaria. He went to this woman, this broken woman, this failed and broken woman who was drawing water at noon, which means that even her own people had disowned her. Even her own people had rejected her. This is who Jesus goes to. He doesn't go to the best of the best. I mean, once all people, he went, he went to people who are culturally different, who are economically different, who are morally different. He had to go there and he invites us to go there. 
as well. So the first reason why he had to go there is because he's a seeking God. He loves people. He's seeking people. Secondly, he's, he's not just seeking people, but he's revealing purpose. That's what, the, that's what the bread is all about. That's what the food is about. He says uh, to his disciples, I have food that you don't know about. I have a purpose for you that you don't know about. It is a supernatural purpose. It is a eternal purpose. This woman was looking for um, natural water to give her physical life, but Jesus gave her supernatural water for supernatural eternal life. The, the disciples went and got natural bread to, to, to satisfy a physical hunger. Jesus showed them a supernatural bread that gave them eternal purpose. Jesus had to go there because he was revealing purpose. He was revealing purpose to his disciples and he's revealing purpose to us. There is food that we don't know about. And there's a couple things here that I wanna point out that I think are important. Um, he, he sent his disciples away, which there's a lot going to it. Yes, they practically wanted to go, go get food, but I believe that he was sending them away because they would have messed up the mission. At the moment uh, that he went to go visit uh, this woman at the well, they did not, he discerned that they did not have the emotional capacity to deal with this. They would have messed it up because of their preconceived ideologies. There was no room for this revelation to break through. And there's just a couple points of application from that. Why, you know, he, he moved them away. Some of us are gonna have to send some people away. We're gonna have to send some influences in our life because they don't understand this vision that you're pursuing. They don't understand why um, race is such a big deal to you right now. Some of you may have to, uh, are dealing with influences that, are, that, that don't know why you won't join their cause that don't honor God. Some of us are gonna have to send some influences away because they don't have the emotional capacity right now. And they may be drawing you away from, from the mission. That may be as simple as us, you know, putting down the phone, putting down social media, turning off the news. So, so first of all, it, it may be that like Jesus, we have to send some influences away. But secondly, know that God will be patient with you. He was patient with the disciples. He didn't give up on them, but he did send them away. Maybe you're... you're going through this season, you're like, man, I just don't have the emotional capacity to deal with this. Uh, I've got all these things going on and I, and I want to do it, but I just don't have the emotional capacity to do it. God discerns that and he will be patient with you. He won't give up on you. And maybe that's not with race, but maybe it's another area of your life where you feel like you just don't have the capacity to deal with the thing that God wants to deal with. Maybe it has to do with your sexuality. Maybe it has to do with your finances. Maybe it has to do with your career, your education, what you wanna do in life. And you know God's putting a finger on something, but you don't have the emotional capacity to deal with it. Two things, know that God is patient with you. He, he's patient with you. He'll, he'll leave that alone for a season, but know that he's coming back and that he does come back to disciples. He comes back to them and says, look, there's a food that you don't know about. There's a purpose you don't know about. And I'm drawing you in to that purpose, a higher purpose, something more sustaining, something more lasting, something more transformative than you've been living for. There's food that you and I don't know about. It could be in this season, he's gonna show something about your purpose, He's gonna reveal a purpose to you that you didn't know about. And we know collectively, um, this is about the harvest that he has for us. This one new humanity in Christ is our harvest. It's our inheritance. It's an inheritance that he paid for on the cross. And it's an inheritance that we want, that we wanna chase after. We don't wanna give it away like Esau gave away. You know, He gave away his inheritance for a bowl of soup. It's this precious inheritance for a bowl, a soup. We don't want to give this away for anything. 
We, we want to take on this call uh, to speak out for the dignity and value of all people. This is a uniquely Christian thing. This is a, this is a godly thing. Um, you know, the world has always seen value and dignity of human being like an a la carte menu, preferring some people, uh, but not some people are worth fighting part for, some people aren't. If you, if you do your history, you'll find out that human rights and value and dignity is something that is, doesn't come from philosophy, it doesn't come from psychology, it comes from theology. It has come, come from men and women who've reflected upon the fact that we are all image bearers of God, and it transformed them to fight for people, to fight for people that society has marginalized. And so that's what we want to be. We want to we walk in that destiny to call out the, the equality and the value of all people. So over the centuries, we've, we've created hospitals. When people, would, uh, when, when people were hurting and, and suffering, uh, Christians created hospitals. You know, there is no St. Darwin Hospital. There is no, you know, Hitchens Memorial. It, it is something that, that Christians started, the Salvation Army. The historians, Roman historians, uh, with great disgust, noted that in the early centuries, Christians were better at taking care of Roman, the Roman poor than Romans. And some have wondered, you know, with all this attention toward inequality, are we following culture? Are we leaving our roots? No, we are getting back to our roots. This is something that God has for us. He's, want, he's after one new man. It is a harvest he wants us to walk in. He wants to see our perspective change. That's why he said to his disciples, you need to lift up your eyes and see this harvest, to see what I am doing amongst you. And we, 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 we feel that, we see that, we see that we need to see what God is doing and I believe that God is creating a spiritual thirst like we've never seen before. We talked about that in week one. God is showing us the futility. God is showing the world the futility of natural wells and systems that are broken, that don't satisfy, that, that aren't the answer. And he is opening a door, opening a wide door. The, the harvest fields are white. They're ready, a wide door for us to speak about the supernatural well. It is only in Jesus Christ. It's the only well that is going to save humanity. This is a big, wide open door. And we want to walk into this. We want to walk into this. So we have to open our eyes. We have to see this. We have to, we have to, we have to be willing to be changed, to, to have a new perspective. The disciples were shocked and stunned and bewildered that Jesus did this. And maybe you're shocked, stunned, and bewildered by what's happening. I just want to say that's a, that's a good place to be. It's a right place to be. In John 4, 25, this woman said something I think is so profound that I don't think she fully grasped what she was saying. But in John 4, 25, the Passion Translation says, and when he, the Messiah, comes, he will tell us everything that we need to know. Everything that we need to know. You know, the, the prophets of old said, said this about Jesus, that he is the desire of all nations, that he is everything that we want. I'll say it this way. He is everything that we would ever want. So he's everything that we want, but he's also everything that we need. There is a purpose. There is, there is, a, there is a destiny that God has for you that your inner man longs for, that it's a food that you don't know about. It's a food that we don't know about. Jesus is everything that you want, but he's also everything that you need, which means that we have to trust him. You know, maybe today you're like, justice is what I want today. Justice is what I want, but Jesus is what I need. I want things to say the same. That's what I want. I want things to say the same, but Jesus is what you need. And I just want to say to anyone who might be nervous for whatever reason, some are nervous about change. Some are nervous there won't be enough change. I just want you to know that we are 100% committed to following Jesus. And we are 100% convinced 
that wherever Jesus leads us is exactly where we need to be and we want to be. And we're absolutely committed to your joy. We want to be careful with you. We want to love you. We want to encourage you. We want to be patient with you. And we want to exhort you. We want to do all of that in this time. So what can we do? What can we do? I, I just want to share a couple practical things uh, that, we, that we can do because we are in this for the long haul. And you can find this on the website. But in this season, we want to do a few different things in particular. One, we want to pray. We, want to be, we are a praying church. Uh, we, we are a praying church. We want to we pray about everything. So 2 Chronicles 7, 14 is a real inspiration for us to pray as it relates to, to one new humanity in Christ. It says, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. So he's talking to the church. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to us. He wants us to humble ourselves, to pray and seek my face and turn from our wicked ways. Right? That's what we want. We want God to shake us. We want, if there's any unbelieving heart in us or any wickedness in all, something that would lead us astray from following Jesus, we, we want to we turn from that. That's what the season is all about. And he says, if we'll do this and we'll humble ourselves, he says, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. So what if we did that? What if, what if we engage this prayer? We want to engage this prayer. We want to we pray for Jesus individually to search our heart for where there's needed transformation. We want to do that as a community. We want to pray, God, would you make, will you put, will you make us as people? You know, God's vision for the church, Ephesians 3.10, this mystery being put on display, this mystery talking about Jews and Gentiles, people who are different. Those groups basically represented everybody who was different, that God's creating this new community of all different kinds of people so he can put that on display in his church, his manifold wisdom being put on display through the church. We want to pray into that vision. We want to pray for real change in our nation. We want to pray individually, but we also want to pray as a church. I hope you'll join us this Wednesday as we gather for all church prayer. So we want to pray. We want to learn. We want to be learners. We want to think differently. We want God to transform us. In 2 Corinthians 5.16, it says, so then from now on, we have this new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearance, for that's how we once viewed the anointed one. That's how we used to view Jesus. But no longer do we see him with limited human insight. So we realize that we see people with limited human insight. So we want to commit to a process, an ongoing process of learning about our own ignorance and, and, and bias and want to move toward empathy, growth, and change so we can learn. There's several ways that you can learn. One, one of the best ways is I just want to encourage you. That here's a challenge this week. I want to invite you into this challenge. I want to invite you to find someone who thinks different about you uh, in, as it relates to racial issues and I want you just to ask them, you know, get coffee with them or Zoom call, whatever you need to do. Listen to their perspective. Listen to them until they are satisfied that you have heard them. And don't share your perspective unless they ask. So you're, you're there to learn. And, and, and don't, you don't have to agree with them, okay? But, but don't disagree with them. Don't, don't argue with them. You're there to learn. Just learn their perspective. If they ask you, share yours, that's fine. But if they don't, just leave it alone. Just Go learn that way. Secondly, read a book or study with friends. And, um, you know, like all subjects, there, there's a mixed bag out there, okay? I mean, um, there, there's just a mixed bag of, on, this, on this topic. And some books take more discernment than others to find out, okay, what, what's meat that I can consume and what's, what are bones that I need to spit out? And having said that, there are dozens of really great books that we would highly recommend. But there are three that we are we want, to, we want to include for your consideration if you're a part of a community group. If you're not, it'd be a great time to get in 
on a study. And there are three books that, that we're putting before community groups, uh, along with other books that you could go through. But one of those is One Blood by John Perkins. Uh, some time ago when I, I wanted to learn from some black leaders and visionaries um, in the church, his name was, was brought to me. And man, I am so glad that it was because this guy, man, the, his love for the church, his vision for the church is a beautiful thing. And, and it's hard for me to read this book without just being filled up with tears because over his, the life that he's lived and the passion for which he talks about the church for what, it, for what it is and what it could be. So that's John Perkis, One Blood. He, secondly, Multi-Ethnic Conversation by Mark DeMaz. And, and this book is simply about what the title says. It's pretty self-evident. It's about having multi, uh, multi-ethnic conversations. It is a Christ-centered guide to transforming your, your heart, your attitudes, your actions around race, class, and culture. And then finally, a book by Trillia Newbell uh, called United. Uh, this was her first book that she, uh, she wrote this several years ago. And like all the other books, she talks about this, be- this vision for a unified but diverse church. Uh, but she, she, she speaks frankly about the difficulty, especially for a, a, a person of color in a mostly white church, of pursuing this vision. And her call is to exhort us to keep going. So it's a great book as well. And then so we want to pray, we want to learn, and, w- and then we want to act. James 2 says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? So in pursuing one new humanity, we, w- we want to act, we want to relate, we want to build relationship with those, with people who don't look like us, who don't act like us, who don't think like us, who don't vote like us, but they share Christ. And we are going to go for one new humanity. So we want to, we want to relate, we want to act on building diverse relationships. Secondly, we want to reach. We, we want to define our neighbor as more than just the person who lives on our block, but we want to, we want to look for, we want to be on the, the lookout for people on the margin. So we want, to, we want to reach. And then thirdly, we want to restore. We want to look for ways both individually and corporately how we can use the power that God has given us. You know, it could be money, time, influence, whatever, to restore back to those that society has marginalized. So we want to look for those opportunities. Well, again, finally, I just want to leave with just word of encouragement that we are closer uh, to this vision, to this harvest than we've ever been in our lives. You are nearer to this harvest than you've ever been in your life. It is no time to stop now. That is why the devil is fighting us in this. That's why there's confusion. That's why there's uh, angst and lies and false agendas and, and, and weariness over this. The devil knows he's on the ropes and we are closer than we have ever been. Jesus said, hey, don't say four months from now. Don't say it's, it's, it's some way in some faraway land and it's, it's, it's down the road. He said, look, look now, change your perspective. See that the harvest is here. I have come here um, to seek people and I've come here to reveal a purpose to you. And this purpose is about this harvest. And I just want you to know that we are closer than we've ever been. I just want to encourage us to, to not give up. And we're not gonna give up. We're gonna change strategies. We're gonna step back and do things differently. We're gonna learn and grow, but we are not gonna give up. And I wanna encourage you not to give up, to know that, that God is leading you to a great place. It says in Galatians 6 that, that we will reap a harvest. If we don't grow weary in doing good, we will reap a harvest. And I just want you to know that God has you on the right track. Let's keep following Jesus in these very, very turbulent times. Let me pray for us and we'll close. Father, I just thank you for your leadership, your love, You're so good. 
You, you promised to always be with us as we go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. You promised that you would always, 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 always be with us. You will never, ever leave us or forsake us. And we, we need to feel your nearness now more than ever. So I just pray the blessing of you on all my brothers and sisters. I pray that wherever they're at, where, whatever their struggle is, whatever they're going through, God, I pray you would meet them right now. I pray they would feel your presence with them right now, that you will give them everything that they need. You'll show them, that you'll meet them, that you'll encourage them, that you'll strengthen them. I pray these things in your name. Amen. God bless you.